Well, before we get uh, into our, our message, uh, just another thing that happened last night. I think it's cool. I always like to fill you in. So I just shared with you that our youth group went to this football game. And, of course, we were loud and yelling and carrying on. It's so funny. And so we're yelling, you know, well, put Scott in the game. Go, Scott. You're the best guy. All those sorts of things. So finally, here we are at the Dome. Big, and there's a crowd of people. And there's a, a group of people like, you know, 10 or 12 of them right behind us. I said, excuse me, um, uh, who are you cheering for? And we said, we're cheering for Scott. And they said, oh, he, and we explained he's a part of our youth group. And he's number 74. He's right there. And she says, well, that's cool. Well, we'll cheer for Scott, too. That's what she said. And so we had a, we, it was awesome, right? It was pretty cool. So I love stuff like that. Just like when we went to our baptism celebration, you know, and the lifeguard stands up and stuff. I mean, the, the impact we can have, right? Just, it's pretty cool stuff. All right. Well, this morning, um, we're going to get back on track with a series of messages that we're calling Surprise the World. Um, over the last several weeks and over this last, the last month of October, um, if you've been a part or been here for any of those weeks, you know that we've been celebrating what's called Compassion Month. And really what we're encouraging is generosity in every way, whether it's generosity with our time, financial generosity, um, just generosity in every way. And so over this last month, we've been teaming up within my father's kitchen to help them out in so many ways. And so uh, just in one month's time, we have been able to donate uh, hundreds of dollars worth of candy to help them put on a, a sort of a harvest or a Halloween thing at the Northeast Community Center, and we were able to have over 150 bags. Many of you participated. You were, you were good at bagging the candy because I heard it happened in like 10 minutes, right? So you guys did amazing, and so we were able to take it out to there into the city of Syracuse, and we were also able to take a group of people to, the, to their, what they're calling this house that's been donated. They're calling it the Life House, and we were able to really you know, gut the house and get it ready so that it can be renovated and turned into a place where women can can go who are trying to get out of the sex trafficking industry and it was phenomenal so many of you uh, participated in that and then then last week we got the opportunity um uh, to A, number one, we had a group of people go out to Northeast Community Center and participate and give some of their time on that, you know, Halloween night. But then also, on last Sunday, we had an incredible experience. And if you were here last week, you know it was pretty amazing. And if you weren't, man, I wish you could have been. You could easy, easily go online, orchardcny.com and hear. But we got to hear the mission and vision of uh, Leanne Tamino about this new venture that In My Father's Kitchen is doing, and that's this helping out women to have a safe place and how we are playing a role in that. They're trying to raise, I think, $20,000. And so we were able to give out of your generosity, out of the orchard's generosity, our awesome, incredible church, we were able to give um, nearly $6,300. If you weren't here, that's what we were able to raise last week and just give that offering to them. We, we took our normal offering just like you were participated today and then we just gave it to them to bless their ministry. And uh, when we do things like that, it makes my heart like almost want to explode because it's so uh, full. And so uh, God bless all of you and your generosity. You guys are amazing. And I'm so blessed to be a part of this community and I hope you are All right. Well, with that little bit of an intro, let's get back into, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off this series called Surprise the World. Now, here's the basis of it is that surprising the world through our own habits of sort of missional living. And what I mean is that we're going to live on mission, live on purpose. We're going to be followers of Jesus. So we're going to create things in our life, habits in our lives 
that are really going to ultimately make a difference and a ripple effect in the world in which we live in. Wherever you, you eat and play and whatever it is you do in your work, we're going to make a difference through these habits. And so we started off in the very first week, we talked about being a blessing to someone and how to do that. We talked about uh, maybe giving a, a gift or words of affirmation or acts of kindness. We talked about ways. And I challenge every week there was a challenge. The first challenge was I want you to bless three people this week. And I want one of them to be someone who's not a part of our church at all. We talked about the ways that you could be a blessing to someone. Now, that was a cool thing, and many of you did that. Some of you said you would not believe how much trouble that got me into. I thought that was funny. I really can't wait to hear those stories. But here's the cool thing. You guys were actively doing that. And then the second week, you know, I asked you, we talked about the, the habit of eating, which, hey, I'm all about. But here's the really interesting thing about that, that in the Scriptures... Eating with people, reclining at the table with people was a significant part of the culture, but more than just a cultural thing, it was an opportunity for people to engage in conversation and relationship and really dig into each other's lives. It's a way to share more than just a meal. It's actually it was sort of a, a, a sort of a sacred act when you would eat with someone. It was more than just, hey, let's go get a hamburger. There was this there was this connection that was much, much deeper. And so, so I challenged you. Hey, I want you to, to eat with three people. You're going to eat anyway. And eat with three people this week. And one of them uh, can be someone who's not a part of our church. And so it's so funny because many of you are talking about how you're filling your quotas with eating people. Like, you know, hey, I, I checked off the list and I'm whatever. And I thought that was amazing. And I had several lunches this week. And thank you to all of you who were trying to do that. That was not the design, but it worked out kind of for me. So, um, but, but those, that was week two. So we're talking about these habits that not just for one week, but generally speaking, if we can get into the habit of blessing people on a regular basis, being conscious of that, intentional about that, and then also intentional about eating and sharing meals with one another with the intention of, hey, getting to know people, getting to engage in a relationship with people. Wow, what a big difference that could be and what a surprise to the world around us that would be. But today I want to talk about the third thing. It's about a discipline that I think is oftentimes overlooked, and it may very well be the key, and it may very well be the key for you and I diving deeper into our relationship with God. And I think it's a big deal, but it's, but it's oftentimes overlooked or devalued in all sorts of ways. But this, this habit that I'm going to challenge you with today, I believe, has the potential to provide a deep inner peace that cannot be produced in any other way. What I'm going to ask you to do is something that you, you can't kind of manufacture it in any other way. It has to be intentional and it has to be something that we know what we're doing and how we're doing it. And so what I want to talk to you about today, the habit that I want to suggest that we would grow in, that we would develop in, is the habit or the practice of listening. Listening. But it's not what you think. You see, I believe that all of us are pretty good at listening. I really believe that. And, and maybe some of our parents are thinking, yeah, well, you don't know my child or my children. or whatever. But here's what I'm saying. We're pretty good at listening to what we want to listen to, all of us. We're pretty good at listening to the radio stations that we want to listen to or the songs that we want to listen to. We're pretty good at listening, many of us, at the, to the objectives that our employers will give us. We're pretty good at hearing those and listening to those. For some of us, we're pretty good at, if we're on a really good day, at listening to our spouses and their requests, if we're doing well. 
But here's the thing. I'm not just talking about, about listening because I think we've all kind of learned how to listen or to hear the voices. We tune out voices that challenge our way of thinking oftentimes or our, and we turn up those voices that we like because they are speaking my language. But in the end, the kind of listening I'm talking to is on a deeper and a spiritual plane. Listening. So I would like for all of us to consider in a spiritual mindset and at a spiritual level, level to consider listening and developing that as a spiritual habit. That if we can institute listening into our spiritual life and incorporate listening into our spiritual life on a regular basis, then I'm telling you our relationship with God will begin to change and we will begin to hear his voice in different ways. And we will, if we can only learn to tune in to that voice and tune out the others, what a difference it can make. Now, how, how do we do that? How do we listen on a spiritual level? I think one of the, the very clear ways is that God has given us, which is an amazing gift that I think we don't understand as much or want to, is the scriptures. That God has spoken to us through his word. And we need to listen to the scriptures. And we're actually going to talk about a little bit more about that next week. So there's sort of your teaser. But, but although listening to the word of God and to the scriptures is a powerful thing, and I believe it is because when we listen to what the word of God has to say to us, it allows us to, to kind of purge out some of those things in our life that don't belong there, all the toxic feelings and fears and anxieties. And, and when we read the word of God, it instills health. And many of you could stand up and give a testimony to say, yes, that is me, the word of God, and how it helps me. However, however, what I'm talking about is not devaluing reading the scripture. Actually, I want us to do that more. But specifically today, specifically today, I'm talking about listening to the spirit of God who is living inside of us. Now, this is, if you are a believer in Jesus, you've given your life to him then the Holy Spirit dwells within us. God is dwelling inside of us. And it is absolutely imperative, I can't say it strongly enough, that we learn to listen to that voice of God that's inside of us, that is guiding us. It's more than just a conscience. It's deeper than that. It's the voice of God, and it's the voice of truth that is indwelling in us. But we've got to have a habit of listening, or we will miss it. So I want to challenge you today, and me today, and all of us today, establish a habit of listening to the Spirit of God in our life. And what will happen is, if we can get there, that the deep recesses of our soul will begin to be opened up, and God's Spirit will begin to cleanse new areas, and He will begin to challenge us in areas of trouble, and He will inspire us to keep moving forward with his plan and his purpose in our life. Now, if we will allow God's spirit to play a more prominent role in our everyday life, man, it will make a huge difference. So but I begin to ask these questions as I challenge you to establish a habit. My next step in this, my next challenge with you is, well, how do I listen to the Spirit of God? What does that look like practically? How do I do that practically? That sounds good, but how does that look at my house and in my life and in my situation? 
And so specifically today, taking it to another level of listening to the Spirit of God, I want to challenge us to do this. If we are really going to hear the Spirit of God, I want to challenge all of us to something called solitude. To be completely alone for a period of time with the full and sole purpose and all of our attention into listening to God's Spirit. Now listen, now many of you are introverts. And I get that. So what you hear is, did you just hear that? Pastor Justin just told me that I need to go be alone. And that is so wonderful because that's the very thing that I love to do more than anything else is just be alone, right? All right. So for all of you introverts, there it is. But, but I want you to listen carefully to what I just said. I want to challenge us spiritually to be alone with the sole purpose of listening to the Spirit of God. And that's a different thing altogether. I'm not talking about just going somewhere where there's no one else around, and we're going to get into this a little deeper. I'm talking about how to be alone with God so that I can hear from Him. Because if we can get there, if we can establish this habit, if we can really incorporate this into our life, it can change everything. Now, here's the thing. All throughout scriptures, this is not something that is new. It's actually, we see it over and over again. God would oftentimes take people like Moses, and he would, he would take Moses, and he would be completely alone for a period of time, and God would speak into his life, and he would hear his voice. There was a, a prophet, his name was Elijah, and he was a, someone who spoke on behalf of God, and things were not going well for Elijah, and he ran away, but it was in a cave for days all alone, completely depressed, wishing his life was over, that eventually God, through that alone time, spoke to Elijah. I think of people in the Old Testament like a guy named Nehemiah who was going to rebuild the wall. And before he embarked on that incredible God-given you know, sort of vision, he called a time out. And you know what he did? He got alone with God. He told him, I got to stop. I need to go be alone by myself, with God, I need to hear from God's Spirit on this matter. And then when you keep going forward, there's a, a guy named Paul in the New Testament. He wrote most of the New Testament, who regularly spent time completely and utterly alone. But he was alone with the purpose of hearing from the Spirit of God. Actually, as a matter of fact, when Paul began to hear from Jesus, when he blinded him, he began to hear more clearly the voice of Jesus in a way he had never heard. And for days, he was blinded. And all he did was just sit and listen to the Spirit. I could keep going, but here's my point. That this is not a new principle, and it's not some sort of a trendy thing, what I'm trying to ask you to do. When you read the Scriptures, there's something that there's a call for all of us. That if we can figure out a habit, a way to consistently be alone, solitude, with the purpose of hearing from God, man, things begin to change in our life. Because we begin to hear more clearly and we begin to experience God's presence and we begin to get the benefit of what it really means to be in the presence of God and the peace and the calm and the hope that comes with it. In the Old Testament, there's a, a, a king named King Solomon who wrote lots and lots of Proverbs and wrote also the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and in that book, he actually gives warnings about how to talk to God and hear from God. And Solomon was another one who he heard from God. He listened to the voice of God and he was able to be alone in that. 
and listen to the instruction that he specifically gave to people if they wanted to hear from God. Now, I want you to hear this. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. King Solomon gives us wisdom. He says this, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are earth. So let your words be few. Now some of us are maybe weirded out by that, but I want you to understand the context of what he's trying to say. I mean, I'm not supposed to talk to God. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that there is incredible value when you go into the presence of God. Of not doing lots of talking. And we're all, I think, if those of us who pray and talk to God, we talk a lot. But he's saying, just go into the presence of God and listen. Just go with the purpose of listening. I think for many of us, just this very topic itself, many of us could like offer out a rebuttal or maybe you've already tuned me out. And maybe someone would say, well, I'm just not very good at listening to God. Maybe we'd raise our hand and say, I'm not very good at hearing from God. It seems like I always miss it. I'm not very good at that. My mind is always racing so fast. I'm too busy. My schedule won't allow it. I'm so tired all the time. I just, I don't know, when am I going to set alone this time to do this? When am I going to do that? And I think for some of us, and I know from my own perspective, that in many times in my life that I've been afraid to be alone in general. I mean, I got to have people around me. Maybe that's just because I'm an extrovert, but I just, and, and for all sorts of reasons, being alone is a tough thing. And we don't want to be alone because of maybe boredom or, or maybe that's that uneasy feeling that we get when we're just by ourselves. And sometimes we don't want to be alone because our thoughts become so loud and we become so afraid and we become so anxious and all of a sudden, our sins and our mistakes and our failures, and all of a sudden, it's just that we're honest. We just got to drown out the noise. Do any of you understand? Are you with me on this? So being alone is not always easy. It's hard sometimes. And so oftentimes, how we sort of get through that is we just turn up the volume of the other things in our life. We do more of this, and we make that a little louder, and I commit to more of this, and I do more of that, and I tune out all those other those voices that are calling me, and I just kind of go, and I just get busy. Just get busy. But I'm reminded, as I look to the Scriptures, that as a follower of Jesus, that He's called me to this deeper fellowship, this connection with Him. If you are a, a follower of Jesus today, he's, He wants more for you than just some sort of a passive relationship where we come and we go or, or maybe when we're reading our Bible, we're praying or we're doing all the talking. Or, but he wants more from us because he wants to do more through us. He wants to achieve his purpose and his plan for our lives in a greater way. And, and we need, I think, to learn to grow in the habit of listening to him. You know, Jesus, oftentimes throughout his ministry, the Bible tells us, man, he was a busy busy man if you stop and think about it all the things that Jesus was doing he had a lot on his agenda didn't he he was doing a lot of healing doing lots of miracles doing lots of teaching to all different kinds of people he would have all sorts of meetings with different people in different times lots of encounters and then on top of it his commute was pretty tough I mean he would travel on foot mile after mile after mile 
But I've always been drawn to this one scripture found in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. That in the midst of all of that, the Son of God, God in flesh on earth. Listen to what it says he did. That in his ministry, the news about him spread all the more. The crowds more and more and more. So that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. All of this pressure, all of this noise. But Jesus often withdrew to where? Lonely places and prayed. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, understood if I'm going to be and do what I know my purpose is for why I've come, I've got to be alone with the Father. I've got to be alone. I've got to hear. I've got to be a part of that. And I think he did that for you and for I so that we could understand that. Now listen, the disciples, the disciples were watching all of this. And actually that's how we know, right? They're jotting it down. Jesus is all the time going away. And after one of those times when Jesus went away, he came back to them. This is so cool. And you know what they said to him? They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now we see you doing that. Can you teach us to pray? And it was from that that Jesus gave to what we know as the Lord's Prayer today, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know know this. So he said, yes, I'll teach you to pray. But what's fascinating with that is that these disciples were saying, yes, we see you're getting some strength. You're getting wisdom. You're getting insight from being alone. And we want to be a part of that. Because you you're have this solitude, you have these times of listening. How do we pray? Can you teach us to pray? And there were times when Jesus would even respond, where, where Jesus would go away. Like one time he went up on the Mount of, of Transfiguration, they call it, where he transfigured before Peter and James and John. And when they came down the mountain, there was a, a young man there who was, who was in need of being healed. And the disciples couldn't do anything about it. They, had, they were kind of at a loss. They had no power. And so the, the dad said, Jesus, would you come and, and would you heal my son? And, he, and afterwards they said, why couldn't we, the disciples said, why couldn't we heal him? How come it had to be you, Jesus? And he said, well, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Now I want you to read between the lines here, but what Jesus was trying to say is, I don't feel like I'm pushing the envelope. He's saying, if, if you can learn the habit of being alone in the presence of God, you're going to see that there's so much more power there. But you got to get there. It's not about just staying busy and saying magic words. You've got to spend time alone with God. What's interesting, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, in that same context, in Matthew chapter 6, when he was teaching them to pray, listen to what he told them. That when you pray, go into your room, close the door, that's pretty alone, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for their ministry. And he knew that if they were going to accomplish what God had put in their hearts to accomplish and had put them together and assembled them for, that they had to learn how to be alone and in the presence of God. They had to learn it. So Jesus was teaching them, this is how it works. You got to get alone. You got to spend time with God. Now, On the flip side, I don't want us to think that that's the only time we can pray. Jesus loves it when we talk to him and all the time. So I want us to keep doing that. The Bible references that over and over again. He tells us, bring your prayers and petitions before me. 
Pour out your hearts to me, he says. Give me, surrender, whatever it is you're going through, let me know. But I also know that on a spiritual and an individual and a personal level, I hope you're grabbing what I'm saying, that if we are going to have inner strength and peace to face whatever it is we're about to face, whatever we're going to go through, if we are not spending time alone in the presence of God, and if we can't figure out how to do that, we will be frustrated and we will find our lives always a bit off and lacking. And maybe some of you could understand and you're probably saying, yes, been there and done that. Or maybe you're saying I'm there right now. I oftentimes, as you know, listen to uh, Ravi Zacharias, who is uh, just an amazing uh, speaker and an apologist. And he, and he uh, speaking on the topic of solitude and prayer, he says these things. He says, you can never pray unless you first learn to be alone. I said, wait a second. Whoa, I gave a time out. I'm going to say it again for you so you can maybe get that. He says, you can never pray unless you first learn to be alone. And what he was trying to get at with that understanding is that if we can't understand to be how to get in the presence of God, these other words are just sort of babbles. We got to have this deeper understanding. How do I get alone with God? But then he says this, your true spirituality is who you are when you're by yourself. Like when no one's looking, when you're in your closet praying and there's no one there to, to give you the check off or to say, oh, look, oh, and to stroke your ego or to tell you how, it's when you're alone and it's you and God and you're in the presence of God, man, we find out who we are. That's tough sometimes. But I also know that it's right there, that it's in that moment that if we can figure out how to be in solitude in the presence of God, That will prepare us for the dark nights of our soul, for those moments when we don't know how to answer, we don't know how to respond, and we don't know where it's going next. But we know this. I've spent time with God, and I know He's sovereign, and I know He's got this under control, and I can trust Him, and I'll move forward. So we say all that to say are being challenged today by God's Word and through me to say, hey, let's see if this week we can begin this journey of understanding of how we can find a time to be in complete loneliness with God, just being completely alone with the purpose of being in the presence of God and connecting with Him. You know, one of the greatest examples, and then we're going to get into some practical stuff and then I'm almost done. As I was digging into this topic, I thought, well, as I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, if I'm going to do this, if I want to be in his presence and I want to make this a part of my life. And Jesus oftentimes withdrew to lonely places and he did it at all different times. How did Jesus do this? And one of the greatest examples we have is when Jesus was facing the darkest time of his life when he was being falsely accused. He was about to be beaten, betrayed, hung on a cross, and to be completely humiliated in a way that we can't even understand today. And he knew it was coming. He sensed it was coming, and he knew it was there. And in that moment, that's when you find out who we really are. Many of you can say, you know, you really want to know who someone is. It's when, hey, when they're up against it, like where do they turn? What's their default? And I look to Jesus, and I say, how did he handle that? And maybe the greatest example that he gave us of being alone in the presence of God so that we can have power to face whatever it is we're up against is found in Matthew 26, verses 36 to 39. That Jesus had just finished the Lord's Supper, 
And now he went out to the garden. And it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Now you've got to read this carefully, new lies. You sit here while I go over there and pray. Interesting. Did you catch it? You sit here, but I'm going to go over there and pray. I'm going to be alone over here. I want you with me, but I've got to go be alone and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which are, we know to be James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So they're watching Jesus being alone with God, and they're writing this down. And then he said to them, Jesus said to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You stay here and keep watch with me. And then, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. So now he got that distance again and they're still watching. And then he said this, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. I think Jesus specifically wanted these disciples to see and to be a part of this experience. And I don't think it just happened to be logistics when Jesus said, you stay here and I go there. I believe in my heart that Jesus had already developed a habit and a pattern of being alone with God, with his father. And he said, you stay here. I want you to witness this, but I'm going to go be alone. I'm going to have this moment and I'm going to pour my heart out and I'm going to be in the presence of God. And he showed in that moment, like what you and I will oftentimes face when we're alone with God, our own fate. Jesus said, look, my flesh, I'm about to be destroyed in the flesh. He wanted out of it. He didn't want any part of it. He was sorrowful, troubled. But in the presence of God, he found strength. Strength to say, but not as I will, but as you will. And even though I'm facing the greatest, darkest time of my life, not as I will, but as you will. Because I want to be in your presence, and that's where I get my strength. And I know that no matter what else is going to happen, you've got it under control. And so he wanted his disciples to see this and experience it. Because they would have to face the exact same thing themselves. And you and I if we haven't already, we'll have to face those dark nights of the soul. And I want to challenge you that if you want to get through them and you want to go through them with deep peace and strength in your life, I don't know what's ahead for you. I don't know what's going on in your future. But I know this, that if we can develop a habit of being alone and in the presence of God, you will have strength to utter the same prayer that Jesus said. And you will be able to say deep in your soul, yet not as I will, but as you will, and I will keep going forward with your purpose and your plan. I don't understand it, but I don't have to. I'm just going to be in your presence and I'm going to keep moving the way you want me to move. Powerful stuff. And so he's challenging us. This isn't just some sort of spiritual exercise to make us feel better. This is the sort of the crux of how we hold on to our faith when everything falls apart. Are you getting it? We've got to figure this out. So How do we get alone with the sole purpose of listening to God and and being in his presence when we think, man, that seems so not tangible. How do I do that? What is that like? Well, I'm going to give you some things. So I'm going to give you a challenge. Here's the challenge, and then I'm going to try to break it down and give you some ways that I have been practicing this and really working on it, and it takes time and it takes practice, and I've not mastered it, but I'm on my way. Here's the challenge. This week, 
this week, and I'm going to explain, I want to challenge you to take one period of time this week. Just, I don't know, that period. I'm not even going to give a time on that. But one period of time where you will be completely alone with the sole purpose of listening to the Spirit's voice. All right? I mean alone. And if you have to leave and, you, hey, you tell your wife or your husband, here's what I'm doing, and I know. And get back together if you want to have your Bible studies and prayer time with them. That's great. But at least one time this week somewhere along the line where we can eliminate all distractions. We're going to get to that in a minute. I want you to set aside a time where I'm going to be alone so I can listen to the voice of God, to the Spirit's voice inside of me. Just do it one time. Just practice one time completely alone. So here's what I've done. Here's what I've learned. Now, some of these habits I've learned from this book that I'm reading by Michael Frost called Surprise the World. But these principles are not just with his book. They're just, they're biblical and they're in the thing. So here's the way that you can do this practically. If you're a note taker, here's what I want you to do. First of all, set a time, look at a time, look at your calendar where you can get alone. And I mean, you're not being called in, you're not, there's no one pulling for you, like to, hey, come here, there, whatever, whatever that means. If you have to set it up because your life is so busy, then set it up. But I want you to set a block aside where you, you can get alone from here to here. I'm going to be by myself. Now, here's the key. When you get by yourself, you have to do everything you can to eliminate distractions. So... The obvious ones are, right, you know, radios, uh, turn off your cell phone, not just put them on vibrate. I mean, just, just turn it all off. But here's the other part. We also have distractions because our eyes. So we look at things and we get distracted and we look at this. And next thing you know, I'm not thinking of anything. I'm watching this and I'm watching this. So if it's possible, get to a place where you can, A, close your eyes, and if you fall asleep, then, uh, then pr wake up and try to figure it out how you're going to do that. But here's my, my suggestion. If you can close your eyes in a quiet place with no distractions and just breathe, that's the best. So eliminate distractions, whatever that means for you. Here's the third thing. I'm going to keep walking you through this. When you're in that place, when you are alone, and you've done your very best and the distractions are gone, you're closing your eyes, I want you to practice what I call, and I learned this when I was in a master's degree program, it's called a centering prayer, a centering prayer. And it's not a chant, and it's not just for the basis of repetition, but what it is, it's really just deep breathing and meditation on the presence of God, right? I'm, I'm teaching us how to really, and kind of in that meditation kind of world, you know, that the Bible talks about being, being one who meditates on the word of God and being in this presence, and you just, you in that alone place with all the distractions gone, you begin to center yourself. And maybe you say a word like, Jesus, I want to hear from you, Jesus. Take a deep breath, fully exhale. I, I need your peace, Jesus. Help me now. And you just take deep breaths, and you just, in rhythm as it comes, you take a deep breath, and you allow yourself to be there. Now, as I'm talking about this, I can already feel blood pressure going down, right? Just be still. Be quiet. And here's the final thing. Allow your thoughts to roll through. 
think one of the greatest hindrances to being alone and in the presence of God is that our mind is racing and we think about something and it takes us on a rabbit trail. And so this is going to take practice, but I want you to just close your eyes and be still. And I want you to just, if you think about someone or something, no matter how silly, no matter how crazy, but I don't want you to hold on to the thought. Okay? I want you to just let it go. Don't hold on to any thought. And eventually what happens, what happens is those thoughts begin to fade. And as we begin to center ourselves, all those random thoughts go away and we begin to settle. And in that quiet place, in that peaceful place, we begin to feel differently about the Spirit of God. And we begin to engage in a different way. And our breathing changes and our mindsets change and our focus is changing. I can't explain it other than I'm going to have you practice if there's no other way, right? To just practice. So this week, my goal for all of us is to take one period of time we can have complete alone time with God without distractions. We would center ourselves. We would let the random thoughts go, and we would just be still with God. And, and I want you to let go of your expectations in that moment. Okay, good. I'm going to do that because I know God's going to answer this prayer, this prayer, this prayer when I get in my, my quiet place. And then he's going to do this and this and this. Nope. Just be still. Just be still. And you could talk to God and pray with him, but in this moment, in this period of time, that's the goal. And eventually, if we can learn to practice it as often as you can, you will find that that stillness and that solitude becomes a little more easy for you. And it went from uncomfortable to now it feels comfortable to you. And being in the presence of God will begin to renew your spirit. And it will begin to, to calm your anxieties and your fear. And you will find yourself being strengthened. And now don't misunderstand, it's not a magic formula. And you know what? And it may take time and it's an experience thing. And I get that. But I want to tell us that if we begin down this road and we can begin to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God, we will begin to produce fruit in our life that only the Spirit of God can produce. But we got to get there. Got to be intentional. We got to make time, and we're going to be alone with Him. And that fruit is worth having. Last scripture, and then we're done. Galatians five twenty-two to twenty-five. You know it. Many of you know it. You've been in the church a long time. That the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, and patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no. Law, because those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and catch this. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But if you're going to live with the Spirit and live in step with the Spirit, we've got to be alone with the Spirit and allow the power of God to begin to work in our life and to produce fruit. There's your challenge for this week. This week, um, uh, this time together, we're going to take communion together. And with what I had said a, a few minutes ago, we do this every time we gather, but, but Jesus wanted us to never forget why. And so I say this every week because I want it to always be a reminder to us that this is not a formality. But Jesus says, when we gather together, let us never forget what, I, what I've done for you the sacrifice I've made for you. And so that's what we do. We remember his body and his blood and the forgiveness of sin that he has provided by his death on the cross. And so we, we take communion, we offer bread and a little cup of juice. If this is your first time or you don't feel comfortable with it, you can just let it pass however you feel. But for those who would desire to do it, I'm going to ask you to just take the bread and take the cup and maybe even practice now on a little 30-second thing. Take a deep breath and center yourself and just think about his sacrifice and how much he loves you. And then you can take the bread and drink the cup at your own time. And after everybody's been given a minute or two, 
I'll let you go. You know, pray and we'll let you go, okay? But let me pray for us as we take communion and we remember the body and blood of Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, I want to thank you for our time together this morning. And God, that even as we've talked about something like listening in the stillness of our lives, in the alone time of our life, God, I pray that we would not pass this off as sort of like silliness or doesn't matter because I believe that you desire to spend time with us, just you and us all by ourselves and in allowing your presence and your spirit to begin to work to bring about strength and comfort and renewal, revitalization. God, I pray that just now as we pause to, to remember, we don't want to do this in some mere formality, but we want to pause and we want to say thank you, Jesus, for your love for us and how you died on the cross for our sin. And that you told us that when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we proclaim your death until you come again. And we want to proclaim your death knowing that that's, that's your death is what has allowed us to be alive. So help us today as we take this communion, as we commune with you, that you would be in our midst, that your presence would be with us, you would be guiding this time. I pray that you would be blessed and honored as we commune with you. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, my prayer is that uh, when we gather together, um, one of the things that I pray for as we gather together every week is that our lives would be challenged in our walk and relationship and in our faith and that, that would, we would encourage each other, hold each other accountable. And so this week, as you go into this challenge of being alone, it, maybe you ought to, you know, tell someone, hey, uh, I'm going to try to do this on Tuesday. Uh, ask me about it, will you, on Wednesday, that kind of thing so that we can hold each other accountable in this way, so that we can begin to grow on a deeper level in our relationship uh, with God and, and listening to the Spirit's voice. Um, you know, Psalm 46.10 tells us, many of you already know it and have it memorized. It says, be still and know that I am God. And that's, that's oftentimes for me a centering prayer, um, just reminding me as I want to be still, just to be reminded of His goodness and His faithfulness and he will always see me through. And so maybe that could be something for you this week. All right. Oh, don't forget if uh, there's youth group tonight, 6th grade through 12th grade, make sure you come, be a part of that. Uh, any questions, make sure you talk to Becky. And then also, if you've not gotten the chance um, to sign up or be a part of the Discover My Spiritual Gifts class that we're offering, there's three opportunities. It's today, there's a Tuesday, and then there's next Sunday. Um, I, my goal, right, has been that every single one of us would do it. And, that, and I'm not making a joke about that, that every single one of us will be a part of that in some way. So if you're interested in being a part of that in some way, make sure you see Mike or Sherry as you leave or talk to me or whoever, but contact us. And we'll get you signed up in the appropriate time. All right, well, let's stand up together. I'm going to let you get going. Can't wait to hear back from all of you about your homework or your challenge this week. Um, let me pray for us and I'll send you a Let's go. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word that gives us such insight into how to connect with you. And I pray that we would listen this week. That our hearts that, that, that maybe are so full of anxieties or uncertainties or whatever it is, but God, that we would find time to be alone 
with the sole purpose of just hearing your voice and being with you. Help us to do that this week, at least once, to get into that habit so that, Lord, we could surprise the world as we live our lives on mission for you. We love you, Jesus. May we, may we see your hand at work this week, and may, you, may we give you all the glory for all the ways that you are working and moving among us. We love you, and we praise you, and this is all in your powerful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.